And for everybody else left in the sanctuary, welcome. Hallelujah. Amen. It was full, and now it's not so full. (laughs) But love an active church and love what God is doing in Jesus' name. I'm going to direct your attention tonight to Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 18. And read one verse of Scripture in your hearing tonight. This is at the end of Paul discussing and talking about the armor of God. And in verse number 18, he says these words, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's a lot of alls there. There's supplication there. There's continual prayer there, and we're going to dive into this verse tonight and and discuss all that it means. And so with the help of the Lord, I'm going to teach, preach on this subject tonight, the power of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Father, you are the living word. I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer speaking both your logos and your rima to your church. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the Scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this in the majestic and marvelous and magnificent name of Jesus. And would everybody say amen? Praise God. According to John 10.10, Satan's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And from the beginning, Satan has been a murderer, deceiving and lying, and he is also the father of lies. John 8:44. Of all of the sinful traits of Satan's character, the one that he may love the best is accusing God's people day and night before the Lord, according to Revelation 12 and verse 10. And all of these scriptures I've just referred to ensures that the church will never be unaware of Satan's schemes. Fear and ignorance are two things that fuel Satan's power. When I say ignorance, I mean that in the respectful sense of the definition. Okay, ignorance means you don't know, right? Stupidity means you know, but you do it anyway. Right, okay, so I'm using ignorance in its truest sense. They're not trying to be offensive. So fear and ignorance are the two things that fuel his power. So what does God do? God equips his church then. He said, I've not given you the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. And so since we're equipped with that power and since we know the Word and can study the Word, we should never be deceived by His schemes. One of the quickest ways to know Satan is whispering to you is it's going to go against the Word of God. It's going to appease your flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And so God then educates His church so that we will not be outsmarted. 
And with all of this empowerment from God, it is incumbent upon the church to understand her role and be successful in His kingdom. Somebody say we need the whole armor of God. Why do we need the whole armor of God? Well, first of all, God tells Paul to say it twice. Ephesians 6, 11 and, and verse 13. So I think that's pretty important, right? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? He says it twice in the same passage, put on the whole armor of God. Um, and, and so I think that's a pretty good reason. Well, if you need another reason, secondly, um, why would anyone think they could be victorious against Satan without the whole armor of God? Especially since God said, put it all on. You see, an ill-equipped soldier is ineffective and may also harm others. I was in a training class recently, and they said, treat every weapon as it's always loaded. It's wise to do. But once you have determined that weapon is not loaded... You can cock it and fire it 101 times. Ain't nothing going to happen. You're just wearing down the firing pin. Well, an ill-equipped soldier is ineffective. So the only way that we can stand against everything that the enemy has to distract us is by having on the whole armor of God because without it, we will surely fail. And I've said this before recently from this pulpit, and it bears repeating. Please don't ever take the armor of God off. I have had people tell me, not in this church, but elsewhere, I'm going to pray on the armor of God. And I want to say to them, why did you take it off? <laughs> Keep it on. Always wear it. Now, the whole armor of God is a metaphor in some sense for the action that we are to take in our spiritual lives i don't have time to go into that much detail about it but i see the armor of god uh, as it is armor it's weaponry but if you look at each one of them they're identified by something that god is the helmet of salvation god is salvation the breastplate of righteousness he is the epitome of righteousness truth he is the way the truth the life peace he's the prince of peace faith he is the epitome of faithfulness so the the armor of god represents the characteristics of god that's what i mean by i say metaphor i'm not trying to take away from the fact that we have to have it and spiritual warfare so please don't be confused but we must have the armor of god on at all times in our spiritual lives and Paul, of course, sets the scene for us in verses 10 through 20. How many of you know we're fighting a war? And the stakes are higher than they ever have been in human history. And how many of you also know we're not fighting against each other? This isn't about Democrats versus Republicans. Come on. This isn't about, you know, a, prince, a, a people, a, a other persons. This is about principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. Praise God. Our enemy uh, is not the flesh and blood that, that it is around us, but rather the evil spirits that have infiltrated society with their deceit. Satan's single purpose is to obliterate God's bride. And the church fights against the cares of this life Daily. Daily. These often cause us to forget 
about the severity of the battle. But make no mistake, although the sun may shine today and birds may sing a beautiful song, there's a spiritual battle raging and waging for the souls of humanity. And if we lose this war, we lose eternity. So what can we do in the face of these overwhelming odds? Is there any hope? Yes. The bride of Christ, who has put on the whole armor of God, is equipped to succeed in spreading the kingdom of God far and wide. I still have yet to find an ism that can stop the church. Hallelujah. And as far as I can tell, until Jesus Christ sounds the trumpet and comes back, the church is unstoppable, his kingdom is unshakable. Hallelujah. Isaiah prophesied a little bit about the armor of God when he mentioned the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. You can find that in Isaiah 59, 17. It's possibly where Paul might have got some of his uh, enlightenment from. I'm not taking away from the empowerment of Scripture or God speaking to him, but rather he might have also uh, alluded to that as well. We know that Paul teaches us that we need to put on the armor of light. He calls it armor of light in Romans 13. Uh, And he also says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ in that same chapter, verse 14. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 7, he calls it the armor of righteousness. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, he says that our weapons are not carnal but mighty through God. And so whether it's the armor of God or the armor of light or the armor of righteousness, it's all one and the same thing. We've got to be clothed with Christ. God educates and equips and empowers His church to succeed. And when we put on the whole armor of God, we should never take it off. By the way, I believe we put it on when we are born again. When we repent and are baptized and filled with the Spirit, I believe that's when we put it on. We should never take it off. We are effective and we will prevail against the enemy by having it on. Because the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ. Amen? But... Many commentators and many scholars conclude their discussion about the armor of God at Ephesians 6 and 17, where it ends with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And by all means, I understand that prayer is not likened unto a weapon in any sort. But if I could for just a moment without adding to or taking away from Scripture, how many of you know prayer has to have a point? So can I call it the spear of prayer without, without sounding like I'm taking away from Scripture? I, I promise you I'm not. But just like a spear has a point, prayer has to have a point. And just like a spear has to be balanced, the, the weight of the head of that spear in, in proportion to the length of the shaft has to be proportioned correctly in order for it to be flung properly and, and thrown properly and hit its target properly. Well, equally, our prayer has to be weighty enough and yet, if I can say it this way, long enough in proportion to be effective. Does that make sense? Okay, so Pastor Powell is not saying there's a spear of prayer. Just, just scripture. I'm not adding to scripture. I'm just kind of likening a reference to. Okay, is that all right? Okay. So, but what I do want to talk about tonight is what prayer is, specifically prayer and supplication, and how they impact the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prayer is to our well-being what blood is to our bodies. 
Now, Jeremy is, you know, the resident nurse here tonight. And so, Jeremy, help me out. If, if I was to drain all the blood out of my body, would I live? Okay, I, I'm at least that smart to, I'm on, okay. I'm, I'm not going to go for my medical license just yet, but I at least know enough to know that if there's not blood in these veins, I'm dead. Prayer is that to the body of Christ. Without it, we die. We must never relegate prayer to an option or a last resort. Prayer must always be our first priority. I like how Elder Vesta Mangans once said it. It's time to trade your prayer life in for a life of prayer. Hallelujah. So with that, let's dive into this verse, verse 18 for my text tonight. We know that God's armor is comprehensive. And again, while not associated with a weapon or a part of the armor, I believe prayer is extremely vital to our success against Satan. So my first point here tonight is praying always. Amen? The first two words of verse 18, praying always. Let me say it this way. To put on the whole armor of God and yet to forego prayer is the equivalent of buying a new vehicle but never putting fuel in the tank. It might look good, but you won't go anywhere. Paul is not the first to instruct God's church of the necessity of praying always. In his parable of the widow and the unjust judge, Jesus first explained that we, and this is Luke 18, ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said that first, then he tells the parable of this widow woman who goes to the unjust judge. Now, she was on a quest for justice. This widow did not give up until the unjust judge, by reason of her importunity, ruled in her favor. If he had been just, he would have ruled in her favor immediately. But he was unjust. You see, he wanted money. He wanted to be Bribed. And so when she stood before him to present her case, he was kind of over to the side doing this number with his fingers. Okay, go ahead and give me that money and I'll rule in your favor. And well, I'm a widow. I'm broke. I don't have any money. Okay, get out of my courtroom. And that's why she had to come back repeatedly. And her importunity. Oh, there's that woman again. <gasps> Fine. Done. I rule in your favor. But again, that parable starts with Jesus saying, we ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, is it saying that God is an unjust judge? No. No. It's an antitype. What he's saying is, as a judge, just because he doesn't rule in our favor yet, remember Sunday's message about appointed time? We might be in the waiting room like Dr. Anderson said. Amen? But, but a nurse is walking out with a clipboard about to call our name. Well, what Jesus is saying with that parable is keep on praying. Don't give up. We ought always to pray and not lose heart. Lose heart is a, a, a King James a euphemism for not giving up. We ought always to pray and never give up. 
That's what it's saying there. Hallelujah. And so maybe this is why Paul wrote to the uh, Thessalonican church and said, pray without ceasing. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. If you want to challenge the quizzers, that's an easy verse to memorize. Three words. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I think the next verse is rejoice evermore. That's two words. Woo! I'm already memorizing scripture. By the way, John 11.35, Jesus wept. Woo! I'm ready to take on the quizzers. Yeah, not. <laughs> They'll walk circles around me. But, but Paul said, pray without ceasing. In, in Colossians, he said, continue in prayer. So how do you do that? I mean, are, do you bake your cake? Lord, I love you, Jesus. You're so wonderful. You're awesome. You know, you're great and good. And Praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the... Is that what it's saying to do? Well, okay. I'm not mocking or making fun, but... Some people might think that way. It means I've got to constantly be praying. Well, obviously, you know, we're sleeping approximately eight hours of the night. So that's one third of the day right there in sleep. Okay, so that leaves two thirds of the day. So what does he mean by pray without ceasing? What does he mean continue in prayer? What does Jesus mean when he said we ought always to pray? What does Paul mean when he says praying always? It's being ready in an instant to start praying. here's, Here's what it is. If you have to always first go and repent, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I forgot to give my tithes. Forgive me for that, Lord. Oh, man, I forgot to pray two days in a row. I forgot to read my Bible. Oh, Jesus. Um, you know, if, if, if your prayer is filled with all kinds of repentance before you can get to the need, then, then you're not at a place where you're praying without ceasing. That's what it's talking about. Be at a place where at the drop of the hat, uh, a lot of you are on Facebook in our prayer room, and prayer requests happen all the time. We just had one this week where somebody who got a flyer on their, a door hanger on their door called and, and had a prayer request. And, and a bunch of you going in are praying, 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 and I trust that you are praying. Well, if you've got to go repent first because you haven't prayed for a while, then you're not praying without ceasing. But if you're able to immediately go into a state of prayer in the name of Jesus right now, touch that person. God, minister to uh, that person's uh, uh, parent and, and minister in their marriage and, and begin to pray specifically to that need. That's what it's talking about. Pray without ceasing. It's also meaning to maintain a regimen of prayer where you're always ready, able, and are praying. And th- there, there are times... Instinctively, if I hear sirens go off, I'll start praying. Lord, whatever that is right now, if that's an accident, if that's a you know gunshot thing, or whatever it is, in Jesus' name, I'll just start praying. Somewhat instinctively, because that's probably gonna be a bad situation. Occasionally it's fluffy in the tree, but you know, sometimes it's a bad case of whatever's going on. Are you understand what I'm saying? So in our quest for victory. We must never give up. We must always pray, always believe, and always expect God to intervene because consistent prayer demonstrates faith in God. Another part of pray without ceasing and continue in prayer is this. I'm going to keep asking like that woman until the answer comes. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. How easily sometimes we give up. Well, we'll maybe get to that a little bit later. Okay, so 
he says praying always, but then he says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then he says, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, that means patience or endurance, and supplication for all saints. So he's mentioned supplication twice. So what is supplication? By the way, here and in Philippians 4 and 6, prayer and supplication are combined together. So what is it? Well, to supplicate means to bring a special request to God. And special here means urgent. Something that is urgent. Just like I called the church together to pray for Karen and her travels and her father. That's a special, it's an urgent request. It also implies, the definition implies binding oneself to, in other words, in this case, God, binding oneself to God to the point of begging. That's literally what the definition means. Okay? So supplication is not just, Lord, can you help me with this problem? It's, it's this earnest, intense, it's, it's Jacob saying, I'm not leaving, I'm not letting go till you bless me kind of attitude. That's what supplication is. And so to understand this best, we need to look to the woman from Canaan, the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil. I want to add to you, she's from Canaan. She's a Syrophoenician woman. This means she's a Gentile. <laughs> it's not her time. Somebody say it's not her time. Oh, Jesus. But she hears that there's this man named Jesus that's doing all kinds of miracles. And she's got a daughter vexed with a devil. And she's heard that devils have been cast out when he's spoken the word. And he's, she's heard that when he's spoken the word, blind eyes have opened and deaf ears have unstopped and lame have leaped. And, and so she's going to him. And Matthew 15, 21 through 28 gives us the account. And in verse 26, Jesus implies she's a dog. I mean, if you want to start at the beginning, he first ignores her. Oh, wow. You see, continuing in prayer means even if you feel ignored. How many of you have prayed like this? Now, you know, if, if my handkerchief represents my prayer. You ever pray like this? It comes out of your mouth and it's like, ploop, just falls to the floor. You're like, wow, that didn't go nowhere. You ever felt that way? Yeah, well, <laughs> sometimes we give up after one try. Oh, well, God don't want to hear it. Okay, I'm leaving. I didn't feel no goosebumps. I didn't speak in tongues. I'm out of here. We've got this drive through mentality with God. Hey, can I get an uh, extra blessing? Uh, can you add a miracle to that? And supersize it, please. Oh, you're out of miracles? Okay, I'm going somewhere else. We've got this drive-through mindset with God that, man, if he don't have what we want, when we want it, where we want it, bless the Lord, we're going somewhere else, and we're giving him a bad review on Google. Really? Jesus ignored her. So she goes to his disciples, hey, can you please petition the master for me? And when they come to him, he says, I've not come but for the lost sheep of Israel. Yeah. Sorry, woman, you're, you're a goat. <laughs> you know, it's not your time. And in verse 26, 
The implication is she's a dog. But watch what supplication looks like. She says, truth, Lord, you're right. I'm a dog. It's not my time. But for the sake of my daughter, even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I was reading this the other day and God showed me something. Watch what a Gentile woman does. Are you ready for this? There were Jews, Brother Sal, that would not accept who he was. There were Jews that were refusing to believe he was God manifested in flesh. But a Gentile woman said, truth, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs from their... She recognized, you're the master. You're right, I'm a dog, but you're the master. There's something different about you. Oh, his own people, some of them rejected him. His own people were confused by him. But a woman out of her time got a miracle because of her supplication. Oh, hallelujah. It's a statement of great faith. And I, let me ask you this. Are you willing to press through if you don't have the miracle just yet? Are you willing to pray another time, another day? Let me ask you another question. Can you rejoice with another brother or sister when they get theirs before you? And keep on supplicating. Hallelujah. If you answered yes, then you understand what it means to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now there's something about that phrase I want to bring out to you. In the Spirit. It's twofold. It means following the leading of the Spirit. You ever been praying about something and all of a sudden you feel like God shifts the direction this way? And you start praying this way, right? That's praying in the Spirit. But also praying in the Spirit is also when you begin to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit would give the utterance, not the initial sign, but as you're praying in tongues, you, God begins to utter through you things. I love it when that happens because I have the propensity to mess up in English. You know, I'm barely unilingual, okay? <laughs> you know, there are times I, I crucify the king's English, okay? Thank God for Grammarly. Otherwise, I wouldn't sell any books. Um, you know, but <clears throat> when I begin praying in the spirit, brother AJ, something happened. God don't make mistakes. I might make mistakes and, oh, I did it one time. I was praying for somebody and you know, your name's AJ, right? Well, I'm praying for somebody like TJ, right? I'm like, oh God, touch TJ. Oh, I mean, AJ, God, you know, it was, it was, it was Rebecca and her sister. I'm, I'm, I'm praying for, you know. Rebecca, and I'm, I actually have my hand on Bethany. You know, like, God, touch Rebecca right now. Like, I mean, uh, Bethany, you know. Well, I make mistakes in English, but, but if I'm praying in the Spirit, God don't make mistakes. So, with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, is being led of the Spirit, what to pray for, but it's also praying in that heavenly language. And when that begins to happen, oh, man, I think it just confuses the devil, seven ways to Sunday. He's like, what are they saying? I don't understand that. <laughs> of course you don't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Amen. And then notice what the rest of the verse says. 
Being watchful to this end with all perseverance. That, that dogged determination to endure, to make it through. Right? That's what it's talking about. Perseverance. And supplication for all the saints. This is interesting to me because obviously there's places where we pray for the lost. We have verses like Jude where you're reaching with them with compassion. Obviously Jesus sent us into the world to disciple those who are lost. Baptizing them in his name, right? But here, the all supplication is for the saints. Now, it doesn't mean we don't supplicate for the world. We do. But I just, I want to focus on that because that's what the scripture says here. It's one thing for me to pray for Myron's needs. It's one thing for me to supplicate for Myron's needs. But when I begin to supplicate for all the saints, something begins to happen. Amen? So I believe a part of what praying in, in the power of prayer and supplication of the Spirit is also when I'm able to pray beyond my need. Can I add it another level? When we begin to pray beyond our four walls, Omaha Metro and Nebraska and Iowa, and we start reaching, and now we're praying for China, and now we're praying for Ukraine, and now we're praying for Africa, and we begin to reach globally. Mm. Hallelujah. That's what I mean by the power of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Can you imagine having direct direct access to POTUS, the President of the United States. Can you imagine that right now, if you pulled out your phone and, hit, and POTUS is speed dial one and you pressed it, that the President would answer and say, hey, what's up? Just imagine that with me. Play along. Come on. I know it's been a long time since some of you were kids and you pretended, but help me, help me out here tonight. Let's pretend for just a minute. That we can pick up our phone, and if I was to have my, I don't have mine on me, but I was to pick it up and call, you know, Joe Biden would answer on the other and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Mr. President? Can you imagine? Right? Well, <clears throat> and, and imagine that any time that happens, and no matter where he is in the world, if he's on Air Force One, bring, oh, that, sorry, that's, that's Jeremy calling. Hey, what's up, Jeremy? How you doing? Can you imagine just how cool that would be to have direct access? Now, obviously that's all imagination because the chances of that happening are, are slim to zero, below zero, but I'm glad you played along, you know, because there have to be a lot of, you know, reasons why you would be given direct access to the President of the United States, but, but this time you don't have to pretend. Are you ready? Did you know you have that kind of direct access to God? But here's what's cool. You ready for this? So do everybody else. So if there's somebody in China right now supplicating, God is in tune with that. And if somebody's over here in Ukraine, and somebody's down there in Africa, and somebody's up there in Alaska, he's got them all covered. And every one of them have his attention. 
I love it when I pray that I don't get an angel. Thank you for calling heaven. If you need a miracle, press one. If you need a healing, press two. If you need a financial blessing, press three. For all other calls, please hold until you die. You know, right? I mean, I'm glad that doesn't happen. I'm glad when I say, Jesus, he's there. I don't have to go through his personal secretary to get a hold of him. Hallelujah. I love it. I love having that direct access every time you pray. The Bible says that our prayers go up as a perpetual memorial unto the Lord. In addition to the incense of our worship, amen, in addition to all that we are and all that we do, our prayers are constantly going up before the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. So with understanding all of that, I have a question. Why doesn't the church pray more? Knowing all the benefits and pleasures afforded to those who pray. Why do we have to be compelled to pray? Why is it we hope to God that the game goes into overtime? Or that they come out with part two of the movie and we can binge Netflix or Hulu, but my goodness, pray past 20 minutes and we're ready to leave. Right? How is it and why is it that everybody and their brother will show up for the food, fun, and fellowship? But let's call a prayer meeting and, oh, sorry, Pastor, I got stuff to do. Really? Oh, okay. I'll see you at the next potluck. So how about we do our part to change that, to turn that around? How about we do our part to pray always? with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watch there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I believe we can make a difference, don't you? This month, as you've probably figured out by now, the topic is prayer. This month I've got some lessons that the Lord's given me from different places in the Scripture. We're going to talk about prayer. I hope to, that each time we'll have a little bit of time at the end for prayer, like we're about to do in just a moment. In part, we have some young men who are going to be doing timely tens. I can't come up, they're going to be 15 minutes. I can't come up with something fancy for 15, but, you know, we'll call them fancy 15s, I suppose, you know. But <laughs> fiery 15s, maybe. That, there you go. But in addition to that, I'm going to try to keep it to where the last few minutes can be a season of prayer. How many of you know that, that God wants to hear our prayers? So knowing that He wants to hear us, knowing that He does hear us, knowing that prayer can be effective, right? Effectual, fervent prayer of righteous, avail as much, right? Knowing all of these things about it. You think we could do it for a few minutes? You think we could reach beyond the, the blue chair we're on to somebody else in this room, to somebody else in this city, to somebody else in this world? You think we could supplicate for a little bit here, binding ourselves to God, and if necessary, pleading and begging with Him for unsaved families, for prodigals? 
I believe we could. You see, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are his royal priesthood. He wants to hear us. And so I wonder if we could take the next roughly 10 minutes and just spend some time praying. Spend some time getting close to God. I know those of you that are joining us online might feel awkward, and if we need to shut it off, Donnie, I understand. But I wonder if we could just take these next few moments and pray. Does anybody have a need here tonight? Does anybody know some of the other people's needs in this room here tonight? Does anybody got a loved one you want to see saved? Then I think we need to turn this sanctuary into a prayer room from front to back and side to side. You want to kneel, stand, walk around. You want to move. Amen. Let's move in prayer for a few moments in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you want to turn on some prayer music, that's fine, Brother Donnie. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Lord, I pray that you would pray through us right now. Lord, as many times we have prayed and you've spoken through us through the power of your Spirit, pray through us supplicate through us in the spirit right now oh god oh jesus i bind myself to you i bind myself to your will and desire i bind myself to your purpose and calling oh god Thank you. 